0: walking itself. Sometimes it just seems you, you're not even thinking about it and you see them taking steps. But truthfully they've been they've been watching, they've been learning. But we all know that there are certain things that come down to uh, mom and dad have got to step in and help learn. Potty training come to mind, okay? All right. What an ordeal, correct? Some of them it's easy. Some of them it's a challenge. Some of them it's a game, and they're trying to see if they can win it, right? They're just wh- whatever it is. But there are certain things that we know as, as leaders, as parents of those children, there are things that we, na- we have to put in, we have to intentionally train, that they, they will come up with ideas on their own, but there are things that we have to intentionally train. So it is with this idea of spiritual maturity. Look at Paul's words again. He says, I, I proclaim Jesus, I admonish people, I teach them, And then notice the next word, so that they'll come to their full maturity. I'm doing all this intentionally. It's it's not that I just like to hear myself talk or teach. There is a reason. I am doing what I do so that people will come to full maturity in Jesus Christ. There is an intentional reason behind all that Paul says. It needs to be intentional on the part of the disciple. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, there's intentional steps that you need to, as you hear them, as you, you, you have choices to make. Ephesians chapter number 4, I'll give you an example. Verse 22 through 24, listen to what Paul says. You were taught with regard to the former way of life, and notice, to put off your old self, which is corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitudes of your mind, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. He says specifically, there are things you've been learning, and you've got to make a choice. You've got to put some things off, and you've got to put some things on. As a Christian, you've got a choice to make. You are responsible for what God is teaching you. As Paul was teaching those others, as I teach you, as others in the family teach you and admonish you, counsel you, well, then you have a choice to make. There are some things you've got to put off and some things you've got to put You have intentional choices to make as a disciple. But I also believe as a church, we have to be intentional. We have to be intentional about the fact of, as, as, the, as Paul said, we proclaim. Uh, the we is always interesting when Paul says it. Where, is he talking about just he and the guy sitting next to him? Is he talking about he and the leadership of that church? Who is he talking about in the we? But it, it gathers this idea in my head that this is a church project, that as a, as a church, we've got to come alongside each other and help intentionally put things in place to help people at least have the choice to take their next steps. We can't force anybody to take a step. But as a church, we have to intentionally put things in place for that to happen because spiritual maturity is intentional. Here's something else. Spiritual maturity is urgent. It's urgent. There is a time-sensitive nature to this. Here's what we know. The time that we have is short. Our days are limited. I I was... uh, a part of officiating another funeral service this past week from a, from a family in town. Now, that's something that God puts in my life to just keep a constant reminder to me that life is limited. You only have so many days. At some point, uh, death still has a 100% ratio of effect on our lives. All of us are facing, so we know that, and we don't know when that day is, so, so with that knowledge, knowing that life is short, knowing that life is brief, also knowing that your fulfillment as a believer, knowing what you're really here for and meaning has, has so much to do with your growth and your maturity. Knowing that it's limited, knowing that you need this to really know what God has called you to do, and knowing that the reputation of Christ is at stake, the fact that his name is glorified as you are maturing, as you are growing and taking steps. All of this being said, this makes this prospect of maturity urgent. It makes it important to understand that as a believer, we need to grow and mature. This is an urgent message. Listen to how Paul says it in this next verse, verse number 29. Look at what he says. To this end... Or for this reason, bringing people to full maturity, to this end, I strenuously contend. It means to strive. It's, a, it's an athletic term, actually. It's the idea of no pain, no gain. It's the idea of, it literally is a word you could say, he agonizes. I strenuously contend with all the energy so Christ, that Christ so powerfully works in me. For the end of bringing people to maturity, I'm giving it all I've got. It's a whatever it takes attitude. That should be our attitude as a church. Whatever it takes. Again, we, we, we offer the choices and people have to make their individual. I get that. But as a church, as a people, that we're doing whatever it takes to fulfill what God has called us. And that's making disciples, bringing them to maturity. One last thing. Spiritual maturity, though, as we understand it, is a process. It is a a process, and literally, it's a lifelong process. From the point that you accept Christ, that's the beginning of discipleship, choosing to follow him and making that, that's where your discipleship begins, and then it continues for the rest of your life. Some of the things we've talked about, babies, children, Ethan, you know, others that we've talked about today, their next steps at this point in life are usually pretty obvious, Okay. They're taking that take that first step. Wow, that's a doozy. We get that. Uh, they get potty trained. That's a doozy. They're, they all these kind of things. Their their steps are quite obvious and and kind of we see them and we and, and but as they get older, and as we all get older, understand that we 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 tend to celebrate a little less, right? Uh, we we don't we celebrated that first step. Woohoo, hoo! You know, well he took twelve more steps today. Did we sit and clap? Have we been clapping at him? Oh, you took more steps. We we kind of lose it, but understand that he's still growing, he's still maturing, and so are we. You get into high school, there there are things you celebrate, there are things that you put aside. But even as we grow into adulthood and we keep going, do you understand that we're still in this growing, maturing process just as human beings? I mean we grow through stages in life. You you come through the single part of life. You maybe you get married, maybe you have children, maybe you 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 get beautiful gray hair. You know, there's this different things that happen, and all of these are part. And, and <laughs> some people don't celebrate some of this as much as others, right? Some of you ladies. Come on now, you know you got as much gray as I do, but no one else is going to know that because you don't celebrate it like I do. You understand the difference? So we don't all celebrate it the same way, but all of those things are signed. You you've moved to a different stage. You have your career. You're looking towards retirement. You're looking towards Florida. I don't know, but you're looking, you're seeing all of these different, but do you understand that as we grow, we may not celebrate the way we did when we took, took the first step, but those steps are still happening throughout our life. That's the human human course, that we are continuing this state of change, in this state of of moving. Well, do you understand, in the Christian life, there's not a one of you that's going to be spiritually mature completely this side of heaven. Not a one of us. From now until our journey, we see Jesus face-to-face. We are in a constant process of maturity, of taking the next step to fall. It's a process. It's a lifelong journey that we're on. It's, It's a next step. And it's taking that step one step at a time. Sometimes we seem to be able to leap a couple steps, but often it's just one little step, sometimes a baby step at a time. But that's what it is. It's a step, and it's a growing, lifelong process. That's why I feel like this whole idea of discipleship kind of comes down to us just helping people take the next steps. It just seems so appropriate. It means the analogy seems so real when we look at life and we look at the spiritual life, why that becomes so important, because I'm in a process. You're in a process. Christ is changing me, and he promises in Philippians that he's going to finish me. He's going to take that work to completion, but it's still in process. In fact, Philippians chapter 3, look at these words. You may recognize them. chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul says this, Not that I have already obtained this, Or that I'm already perfect, that's the same word as mature. It's not that I'm already there, I get that. Paul, great apostle, wrote most of the New Testament. He says, I I know I'm not there yet, I haven't made it, but I press on to make it my own. Why? Because Christ Jesus had made me his own. Jesus got me, now I'm going to do everything I got to continue to take these steps. And I'm still in process and I will continue to be in process. That's a part of what this is. Discipleship, making disciples, spiritual maturity. It takes time. And you can look at in that in... in probably several ways, but at least one of two ways. It takes time because it's, it's long-term. It, it, you, you see, sometimes you don't see the maturity the same, but it is, it's taking time. It, it takes this process. It's, it's over the, the course of a lifetime that God is taking you, and it's one step at a time. But when it says it takes time, I also mean this, it takes minutes on your day to intentionally take the steps as a disciple. It takes minutes out of your day to, to spend time with God, to spend time in prayer, to, to help someone, to take the steps of God. It takes time in your day. If you're going to help someone else grow and you're going to be a disciple as God has called us to be, it's going to take literal time, minutes out of your day to pour into others. So that precious commodity of time, it takes all of that to make disciples as God wants us to. Before I go on, let me explain something about next steps because I want to make sure you're clear about this. When I say next steps make sure you understand this next steps is not a list of rules of you do this and you will be holy you do this and and your life that's that's not what next steps are it's not about here's a list of things you do a b and c and and you are a perfect christian that's not what we're talking about next steps next steps is also not an an idea of of, well, it, it's discouraging. I'm just a constant failure because I, I'm never going to get there. Understand, next steps is just a picture of your process. It's not set, We're not n- negating the fact that you've taken a lot of huge steps, in your, a lot of steps in your Christian walk. But we just as long as we're here, we've got next steps to take. It's not a matter of failure. It's a matter of this is the process. This is the progress. I've got another thing. But the one thing I want to make sure you get is next steps is not a checklist for your religious walk. It's not okay. I come to church, check. I tithe, check. I, I I I did this, check, check. Oh, and there's another thing I do. Well, double check that one, right? Okay. It's not about. It's not a checklist. It's not a, I do this and this and this, and then, because the, the truth is, folks, we are in a constant process, and your good works are not what's going to, to make you any more pleasing to God. That all comes through Jesus Christ. What it is, is God knows you need to mature, and one of the best ways to look at that is, so what is my next step? Your next step's going to be unique, probably to the person sitting next to you. It's going to be unique to me. It's going to be unique to, to the. but there is, there is a way God is moving, and my my passion today is to help you understand and to look at your next steps. So personally, in my life, this has been a journey that I'm realizing and recognizing that that I have these next steps. And God has done that throughout my life, but especially this year, there just seems to be this loud idea that I have steps to take. And understand, this is unique to my journey. You may never have steps like this, but some of you may be able to relate to them. And, and that's, if you want to understand, that's really the reason why I I asked us to have these three weeks together in these special times because it just seemed to me that one of my steps, if you would have understood, is is to share some of the things that God is sharing with me as your leader, as your pastor, to take these. So last Sunday, I asked you at one point to put your pens and papers down. Let me just ask you to do that again. Just just breathe for a minute. I'm not going to ask you to write anything down for a little bit. And if you can hold that bathroom and drink and break for another five minutes, okay, just let's all just focus for a minute because I want us to. I want you to hear what God is has said, and and where He's leading me. Because I'm hoping this can be an encouragement, even to what you're saying in, in taking your next steps. Um, this this kind of an idea is is a little bit hard for me. One, because I'm kind of a private person. If you didn't know that, maybe you didn't realize that I am kind of honestly, I'm an introvert in a lot of ways. I have kind of a privacy about me, so this is difficult. But it's also difficult because. Sometimes people say they want the preacher to be transparent, but sometimes the vulnerability gets a little awkward, okay? So I'm just going to, I'm going for it today in some ways, but I'm hoping it's an appropriate fashion. But I want to share with you some of the next steps that God has been doing in my life because I think it will make this journey 2007. You'll understand why it's so significant and why I felt like that we're doing what we need to do this week. I shared last week, it um, it wasn't too long after I arrived here, at Calvary six and a half years ago that I realized Calvary was on a journey, hurts, discouragements, some things that you were on a journey and kind of figuring your way. But maybe what you didn't know is I was also on a pretty heavy journey. God was working in my life. <laughs> Boy, we were a match made in heaven, weren't we? You know, a match only God could put together because we've got this, this leader and this church in this journey trying to find out where God wants us and what he wants us to do. The first couple years, in my opinion, went fairly well. Um, we, we had hurdles, I mean, but we knew hurdles come, problems, you know, things arise, that kind of stuff. But I felt like we were really on a, on a we were starting to see some momentum. We had some things in place. We had a full staff. We had, uh, we had a new constitution and bylaws. We had some things, and it just seemed like we were getting things set up. And then 2014 hit. And, and it, this may not be a significant year for you, but in a period of a year, towards the end of 2013 to the next year, there's just a lot of stuff crashed in on top of my world. Now, the, one, of the, one of the ones was a happy one, but it was very emotional, and that was my son got married at the end of 2013. So that was happy, but, boy, that just kind of moves your emotions, right? Within those 12 months, two of our good friends from New York who were about our age both died of cancer. And, and all of that's moving until I go to a doctor for a routine visit and I find out that that my world is going to be different and and this church was very supportive and I thank you and I still I go back and read some of the emails that some of you sent me just and so my cancer was was quickly treated and it's moving on but boy that that kind of just rocks your world but but some of you don't know but a couple months later then my mother passed away then towards the end of that year we had a uh, we had a, a big disagreement over a decision we made, and we had, we had some issues going on right here in the church. By the end of 2014, I was, n- I was never more glad to see December 31st end in all of my life as it ended in that year. I had some folks, some friends, loved ones say, you need to take some time off and kind of recoup. Not me, man. I'm too tough for that, right? So I just bullied through it. Until it comes to about late spring, early summer of 2015, and this person begins to break down. And my, my emotions and my soul begin to feel empty and void. It didn't help that at the end of summer, my daughter leaves me, and now I'm an empty nester, adding that to all the top of everything, right? But, but that summer of 2015, things became empty. And, and though the Lord was with me, and I know that, and I had great encouragement and support from many of you people, something changed in me. And and from that point on, I, I have been in a in a struggle. And and part of that struggle is I, I just I it, I don't want to plan. I didn't want to plan anymore. I didn't want a vision anymore. I just wanted to get through the next day. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's been a kind of a dark few months. of Just trying to get through the next day. And and I know my life's not near as hard as I not. I'm just saying that's where that's where I was in this journey. Um. I'm sorry if this is more information that you wanted to today, but more than that, I'm sorry that, that I wasn't the pastor you needed over the last several months. Um, to be honest, there, there have been a time or two that I thought, you know, I ought to just resign this because this church needs a real pastor, and I'm not it right now. Because this, this heart has been, oh, been hurting, and, and it's not anybody's fault. That's just part of the journey. So, um, the Lord continue to be faithful, and if you don't know her, I have a wonderful, godly wife, and that, that woman has kept me floating for quite a while, and I couldn't thank God enough for her, for all that she has done, and she's continually pointing me back to the word, and God's word As honestly, over the last several months, has become even more precious than it's ever been in my life, God is healing me, but I stand before you today, Guys, your pastor's broken. He's a broken vessel. But he's a broken vessel that God is healing and God is changing. God is giving me my joy back. He's giving me that just what we've been praying for for several months. And so that's why I know that next steps are real. Because God has given me some next steps. To be honest, what I just said to you was a next step for me. A few weeks ago, I believe, I. I God and I had a conversation, and he said, you need to talk to your church about that. And I fought that for, a, for several days. I didn't want to have that conversation. I think another step is I'm asking you as a church for your forgiveness. Some of it was just a journey. Some of it is just I, you needed somebody that wasn't in, in the place he needed to be, and I'm sorry for that. I want to be the pastor that you need. And so I'm asking your forgiveness. But I also want you to know that now my next step, these past couple of weeks, that verse that we just memorized, be strong and courageous, that's my next step. I've got to start leading again. I've got to start, and and I know it's going to take time, and now I'm coming up from a little different position. God's humbled me. God has broken me down to where I realize I can't do this without him. I can't do this without you. And I I think I knew that in my head before, but I know it now better than ever. And so by God's grace, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that next step. And I'm going to be the pastor and the leader that God called me here to be. Hope I'm a little bit differently, maybe hopefully better. But now that's where the fear comes in. I said to you last Sunday, I said, you're looking at a scared pastor. That's why. Because now this is a step for me that is scary. Because I've had experience now that it is tough. And I've really hit that, row, that wall, and now I know that God wants me. He wants me to do some water walking, and that's a scary proposition. But by God's grace, that's my next step. That's what God's calling, calling me to do. Maybe your next step and some of my others, they won't be this dramatic. I get that. But please understand that all of us have a step in the journey that God wants us to take. And there may be different ways that get us there, but there's a variety of reasons. But what is it that keeps us from it? As we talked last week, it might be just fear, just fighting it because it just seems so scary. It might be the circumstances. You've had bad experiences. People have hurt you and all of that, and so you're using that. You're blaming circumstances. You may be blaming other people. You might even be blaming me, I don't know, for where you're not taking your next step. But it's time that we stop blaming. We just got to start taking steps. That's what God has kind of been saying to me is that, you know, it's, it's time to stop blaming. Just start walking. Start doing what I called you to do. Again, the point is this. Healthy disciples and healthy churches just take their next step. That's what God's called us to do. And so now you can pick up your pens again because I want to share with you some possibilities. I, wanna, I, I wanted to make that as real to you from my heart as possible but now I want to make it as practical as possible. And again, I've told you next steps are not checklists, but I I want to just share with you some categories, if you want to call them that, of some next steps and see if there's anything in some of these categories that that you would say, yeah, that would be a next step for me or you see that as a part of our church. I I take us back to when we're talking action steps, the reason I use that phrase is I want to go to one of the most famous passages about the church, and that's in the book of Acts, chapter number 2. If you have your Bibles, you can follow me there. You'll see some of the verses on the screen. But Acts chapter number 2, and towards the end of that chapter, this is just an incredible picture of the early church. Now, what's happened in Acts chapter 2, if you're unfamiliar, is the Early, early part of that chapter, the day of Pentecost happened. Well, the day of Pentecost was, was the day it launches the church officially into the world. God does some incredible things. He, he shows up in this huge way. Peter preaches this message, and at the end of this message, the results are unbelievable. And that's where we pick it up in verse number 41. Look what happens. Those who accepted his, Peter's message, were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. 3,000. That's incredible. There's 3,000 people that get, that receive Christ and are baptized on that very day. You add those to the 120 that were in the upper room. So this early church, first day, has a new membership of 3,120 people. What an amazing, incredible day that this particular thing is. And he goes on to say, And they, devote, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread and to prayer. And everyone was... Uh, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. I mean, the whole town's talking about it, they're all in awe. And all the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. He starts out off with that idea of they. Who's the they? It's those 3,120 people. And they, as this new church launches, they, they are doing and seeing some incredible things. Now, we got to be careful as we read this that we don't try to apply the actual events and even the methods that they used and say, well, that's what you have to do to Today. We're not in the anywhere near the same time or place that they were in the same circumstances. We're not in Jerusalem under Roman guards, and we're not being persecuted. I get all of that, but there are some universal things that come out of this. Some things that we can apply, and, and this, for this morning's purposes, I want to. I categorize them into these, these ways of steps, some things that we can look at in our life and see, are, are there some areas of steps that you need to take that God would reveal? And, and I'm, I'm confident that there, there would be as we move forward, some steps that you need to take. So we're going to look at some action steps, four of them. First one, action steps of obedience. Are there some areas of obedience that need to be done? Here's what we find, first verse, those who accepted his message were baptized, verse 41 tells us. Baptism is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful picture of Jesus' death, his burial, and his resurrection. Every time that we, we witness a baptism, we are, re- we are remembering the, the resurrection, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Once he is, was dead, now he's alive. But that also it's a picture of what happened in our life. That once we were dead in our sins, now we've been saved, so we're alive in Jesus. It's a beautiful picture, one of the most incredible pictures that God gave us. But never forget this. It's also, according to Scripture, a step of obedience. Just a few verses before that, when Peter's message, he said, repent and be baptized. Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son. The baptism is a simple step of obedience once you've received Jesus Christ as Savior. So these people that had received Christ, one of the first things they did, they just simply took a step of obedience, and they, they submitted themselves to baptism. Please understand that when they did that, many of them, that set them up for persecution, possibly even death because now they're aligning themselves with this cult. They're aligning themselves with this false doctrine. Most of us don't have that worry when we get baptized in Taylorville, Illinois, but the point is still the same. It's a step of obedience, a step of identification. I am now a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a beautiful picture, and Jesus said, I want you to do that as a public declaration. No one saw me save you, but they can see you get baptized and say, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. It's a step of obedience. Next Sunday... We have a few that are going to be baptized. I hope you're here for that because it's a wonderful celebration of what Jesus has done. It's a celebration also of their step of obedience in following Christ. But let's consider this as a category. Is there a step of obedience in your life that God has dealt with you with recently? Something you need to do. Maybe it is baptism for some of you. Who knows what that step is, but let me throw out some ideas. Maybe it's an attitude that you know needs to change. Maybe it's a habit that you're involved with that, you, that God is telling you needs to, to go away, a lifestyle that needs to change in your life. God's spoken to you about these things, and you know it, or he's speaking to you right now about them. It's a step of am I going to trust God enough to do what he's called me to do. Maybe it's to serve somewhere. Maybe it's to share my faith with somebody else. A step of obedience, and as you look back at it, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's something God has said to you today. He said to you recently, he's saying, this is what I want you to do. That becomes now an opportunity to take a step. What, what do you do with that? Maybe it's seeking forgiveness from God from something you've done. Maybe it's seeking forgiveness from another person. Maybe it's granting forgiveness. A step of obedience, and some of them seem so big and so hard, and some of them are baby steps, but is there a step that God has called you to take in his plan? What about Calvary as a church? Well, look at this. Uh, one thing that I know God's calling us to do is to restore our emphasis on the evangelistic side of discipleship. To get back to we, where we are pouring into this community to say, Jesus loves you and you need a Savior. And pull, pull back in obedience to lead people to that. And, and the idea of, of even what God's plans are for us here, even for our, our north campus. God didn't give that to us by accident. So by obedience, we're going to figure what that is and let's do it. That's scary, folks. I'll be honest with you. But that's, are we willing to take that step of obedience? Let me give you another category, an action step of discipline. Here's what you see in that verse. Right after they were baptized, 3,000 added, notice what it says. And they devoted themselves to, or one version says, they continued steadfastly in. What we see is this kind of a general idea of commitment. They, they were committed to this, not just getting saved and baptized, whoo, and then they're done. They were committed to this new life and this new relationship in the church. But it's even deeper than commitment. Both versions use a word, not commitment. The word devoted takes commitment to a whole other level. One man put it this way, commitment is something you do with your will. Devotion is something you do with your heart. They weren't just saying and, and, and signing a contract. They were from their hearts saying, this is what we're devoted to. Even that phrase, if you use it, continued steadfastly, it means to be persevering, to constantly diligent, to follow closely, to say, I am focused on this, and I'm going to make sure this happens. I am disciplining myself to do this. Now, now the word discipline sometimes gets a bad rap. Sometimes we think of discipline as being forced to follow the rules, that's discipline, or being punished for something, that's discipline. Let me throw you a definition that I think helps us understand what I'm trying to explain. Discipline is this, it's training expected to produce a specific character or pattern of behavior, especially training that produces moral or mental improvement. It's the idea of discipline to develop good, better practices behavior. And that's what the, these folks were dedicated. They were committed to doing certain things. And they didn't just put it on their, on their calendars, and they didn't just put it in, their, in their, their schedule. They were devoted to it. They were continued steadfastly in it. These became disciplines of their life. I think it's very interesting what they were devoted to. Notice, they were devoted to the apostles' teaching, number one which that was the, the way that they explained what Jesus had said. The, new, uh, the Old Testament's been written. The New Testament is being written. They were taking Jesus' teaching, and they committed themselves to knowing. They were committed to what, the truth that they had before them. Folks, we now have the apostles' teaching right here. We have the words of Jesus. We have what God wants us to. So where should we find our devotion? What should one thing that should characterize the discipline of a believer it should be a devotion to God's truth, to God's word. That's a discipline that we, we've set that part of, a, a part of our life. It also said they were dedicated to fellowship, committed to, they were devoted to fellowship. The word in the Greek is koinonia, and fellowship is not coffee and donuts, folks, although I have nothing against coffee and donuts, all right? No problem with coffee and donuts. That's not what fellowship is. Fellowship is cooperation. Fellowship is communion. Fellowship is participation. Fellowship is the life of the church, Here's something I saw interesting this week. Some commentators believe that those were the only two things. Everything else just describes what they did. Now, not everybody agrees with that, but that's an interesting thought because if that's true, what he's saying is they devoted themselves to two things. They loved God's word and they loved God's people, and they were committed to that. They were devoted to that. They continued steadfastly in that. Boy, that, that would be, if we just did that, just devoted to those two things, to God's truth and God's people, what a difference it would make. Loving one another as God said to love, taking care of one another, all of these things, it's devoted to God and his people. But he goes on to include two other things, breaking of bread, which could be eating together, it could be the, the Lord's Supper, all of those things, and prayers. What he's talking about is there are things which they said, we've got to make these a part of our life. We're committed. We're devoted to these things. We're going to continue. We're going to persevere in these things. That's what you would refer to as disciplines in your life, something that you are saying, I am devoted to this, and this will help me now grow and take my next steps in following God because I will devote myself to this. So what are some spiritual disciplines you might need to consider that maybe are part of your life, maybe not? Maybe this would be your next step. Maybe it would include reading your Bible every day committed to his word. Maybe it's a prayer time every day. Maybe it's uh, the idea of uh, coming to church regularly, making that next step to be faithful, maybe being faithful to whatever it is, your service or your small group, but taking that step of faithfulness. Maybe it's memorizing scripture, which we talked about. Maybe it's disciplining your finances. Maybe it's disciplining physical exercise and taking care of the temple that God has given you. Uh, one thing that, that I know personally is God is saying one of my next steps in this area of discipline is just to read more, to read more of what, not the Bible, yes, but other things, to put that a part of my life, to continue to grow that's a part of the discipline that what God wants to add to me what could God say be saying to you again it's in the checklist Ooh, I'm going to do this and this and this it's, it's what is a discipline that needs to be part of your life maybe it's fasting Man, what is it that God would say this is something I want you to make a part of your life how about the church well, here's what I know as a church, we have to be devoted to it taking, uh, we, I, I think the church has always been, a, this church has taken good care of their finances, but we need to have systems in place and, and make sure that we're doing things as, as much as helping guests as they come in and making them feel welcome and taking care of them and helping them take their next steps, getting the systems of our small groups and all these things that need to be disciplined, need to be things that we do because God has shown us and we're going to be committed to making sure those things happen. We have next steps. Let me give you a third category. Action steps of community. Verse 44, he said, All the believers were together and had everything in common. Wow, that word together is big, isn't it, church? That's what the church is about. Please don't buy into the the newfound thing that the church is not as important as it used to be, or the church is just the church at large. It really is not so big. About, this New Testament local visible church is still a place that God wants you to be together. God is still has his, this is the, he still loves the church that you can see, Calvary Baptist Church. He still loves it. and what It all starts back with that word fellowship that we just looked at. The word fellowship and the word common, which you read in these verses, had the same root. It's, it's just talking about bringing all everything together. Big, the togetherness was a birthmark of this early church. And understand, these people had lives just like we have lives. They had occupations. In fact, they didn't have days off. Do you realize they worked seven days a week? At that time, and especially under Roman jurisdiction, they didn't have a lot of freedoms that we had, and yet they still made sure to put in not just their time, but they put in their life to make sure that they gathered together. They, they, these were busy people, but they made sure that the church, the togetherness of the church, was a priority in their life. Verse 44 says they were together. Verse 46 says they would meet together. That talks about formal gatherings and meetings, maybe for Bible studies, for church services like we have. Verse 46 also says they would eat together, and all God's people said, right? Yeah, eating is a great form of fellowship. It's not the, the eating, the food, is not the fellowship. It's this coming together. But there is something about that. One of the greatest times that we have is you sit around and you talk and you learn from God. What better way to do it with a chicken leg in your hand? I mean, it's a matter of God has given us this opportunity, but it's got to be a priority. The church, the Christian life, being a disciple was never meant to be a solo journey. we never meant to be Lone Ranger Christians. Your maturity will never be what it needs to be if you're doing it by yourself. You need the input. You need the, even the people in our lives that drive you nuts. We need that rubbing shoulders with others who are following the same Christ. Paul says that that maturity in, in Ephesians 4 flourishes as the members, they support one another and all these things. T- Hebrews chapter 10 says we should be faithful to meet together because that's what we encourage each other and spur one another on to do good things. Understands this togetherness is not just a check off the list thing. It's what we need for our spiritual maturity. This community. You need this. So, so maybe there's some steps of community you need to consider. Maybe it's Becoming a member of of a church, and if this is the one God leads you to, to become a member at Calvary. Go to the Discover Calvary class. Maybe it's joining a life group, learning about the people in that group, learning and growing and, and encouraging one another in that group. Intentional about loving one another. For some of you, it means just get back in the game. You've been a spectator for long enough. You used to be in, or maybe you never. Get off the bench and, and get back in the game. That's community. That's serving together. That's loving together. Stop being disgruntled and just get back in the game. Whatever God has called you to do, that community, you need it. The church needs it. Maybe it's restoring a relationship with someone bringing that community back together between you and someone that you haven't talked to or haven't been able to to do other than wave casually in church, but get back to where that relationship is real. What kind of step would God maybe be having you do today? Obviously, as a church, we believe life groups is one of the keys. And I make no apologies for that. I really believe that this the church, as it gets larger, has to get smaller. And so what you do here is fantastic. But when you break that down into groups where you can actually get messy and rub lives, and that's where you're going to see community really happen. And I hope some of you consider that. Last area category is action steps of generosity. Listen to what they did. Verse 45, they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Wow. These people haven't been saved. They're they're still wet from their baptism, (laughs) and they're already committed to their church and being together, they're committed to studying the Word. They're committed so much that they're selling their stuff so other people can have what they need. Now, as far as we know in the Scriptures, this particular method, this particular event, only happened in this church at Jerusalem. They had particular needs. We see it again in Acts 4, verse 32. It's the same church. So this wasn't a setting that this is what everyone needs to do. Don't let some cult fool you and say sell all your stuff and give it to the prophet. That's not what he did here. There was a need in this church, and the people did whatever they could to meet that need, including selling their stuff. You know, the world sometimes gives the church a bad rep by saying, well, all they want is your money. And there are some shysters out there. I get that. There are some people that are just money-grabbing. But the truth is, as we invite people to give in the church, what we're trying to help you to do is to learn the the art and the, the gift of generosity, to learn to understand what it is to truly, because none of this is ours anyway. It all belongs to God. And when God allows you to learn how to give and to be generous, Jesus said it, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And when you start living in that vein, giving becomes a whole new idea for you, something that that you become do because you're willing, because you you want to do it. It's a whole new level of fulfillment in your life. I I, I sometimes think when Jesus had a conversation with a man, we call him the rich young ruler, and the guy said, how would I need to have eternal life? And Jesus said, you know, one thing lack. You you do all these things, one thing you have to lack. Remember what he said to do? Sell all you have, give to the poor, come follow me. Now, now, sometimes we excuse that, but, and, I don't, and we know that wasn't a way to get to salvation. We know there's a whole part of that story. But you see what Jesus is setting a pattern in mind is there, there is a part that when a Christian is following him, that stuff really doesn't matter. We should be able to give all up to follow Jesus and to give to the poor and to help. It, it doesn't, it's not ours. If God allows us to be generous and to learn how to do that, then it's a, it's a gift from him, even to take the steps. So maybe one of the first steps that God would have for you is just to begin to learn this, this art of giving. Maybe it's starting to tithe, if you've never done that at, at church. Or maybe on top of your tithe, you're giving to missions around the world. Maybe it's to people around us within the church that are going to have needs, needs within the community, giving of your time and your talents for the poor and the hurting, taking to fund projects. What would, God could open many doors if we're willing to say, God, I want to learn to be generous. That needs to be the step that I take in life today. As a church, we're gonna, uh, you're going to hear more teaching and encouraging on just us giving of ourselves. Not just, uh, not just money, but giving of everything. Just to learn what it means to be generous. We're going to look what we can to be, more, to be more impactful in our community. And all that takes is a heart of generosity and giving. So are there some steps that God may have said to you today that you need to take? Obedience, generosity, community, even disciplines. I, I want to wrap it up today and I want it with one verse. Look at the end of this. I didn't read the last verse of this passage or the last part of it. End of verse 47 says this. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow, that, that's a that's a pretty powerful verse to me. What happened on that first day? Those people got saved, that energy continued. And every day, this church was making an impact. And this church was seeing more done for the kingdom of God. Every day, this continued to grow. Now, here's some things we've got to know. You, cannot, you can't predict a Pentecost. God came when he knew it was the time. He told him to wait. He came, and he did some incredible things. And Pentecost was a, a God movement in the way that all that you can't, you can't predict those things. You can't make those happen. But I wonder as we're reading this story, do you think that some of this ongoing atmosphere and excitement had anything to do with some of the steps these people were taking? Now here's what we know. The Bible says the Lord adds. We we know God's the one that adds. We don't, we don't have a we, we have God's going to do as his work, that's his part and we trust him for that. God's the one that adds. But but do you think that some of those those steps, those things were we creating an environment for growth and influence in this church and in the church and the people around them to the point where they were seeing this great, that's our part. And you've got to make sure you understand that God will do what he will do and we trust him for that. But he has called us to take some steps and I believe he will reward us for that. He will bless the church for that. He will see, let us, what a, what a powerful prayer to say, God, would you allow Calvary Baptist Church to be a daily impacting church? A church that there's something done for the kingdom daily because of Calvary Baptist Church. That every day, your kingdom is being added to, your kingdom is being strengthened because of Calvary Baptist Church. That's what we can do, and I believe, church, as we come together and we take the steps God has called us, we can begin to see that impact. My job is to do my part. I know God will do his, and others, that's their choice, but I have to do what God has called me to do. So... The question that we end with is this, what is my next step? How would you answer that? Maybe there's some obvious ones, something that I said today, something you've been struggling with. Maybe it's, as far as you know, you're you're right and you're just taking the steps, so fantastic. Maybe it's just staying open to say, God, as you show me my next step, I'll take it. I'm scared, but I'll take it. Maybe it's just staying open to take whatever steps God has for you. I want to end today with a, with a thought. I'm calling it the 90-Day Next Steps Challenge. And here's what I'd like you to consider. For 90 days, and the reason I picked 90 days is it's approximately 90 days from now until Easter. So for the next 90 days, now until we, as, as we're getting ready and we start preparing for Easter, our Easter services. I want to challenge you in these next 90 days to really consider as a church, what are my next steps? It may be one big step that you know you need to take, maybe a series of small steps. But over these next 90 days, be praying intentionally about what would my next step be? What would that look like? me, Maybe it is a, a step of obedience, and you know it right today what it needs to be, or community, or generosity, or disciplines. But what is it that God, and for the next 90 days, let's see how many of these steps we can begin to take in obedience to what God has called us to do. The 90-day challenge. In fact, I want to do something a little different. If you'll take out your, your cards today, your communication cards, at the bottom is our connection card. Now, we know this is a way that we, we ask people as they come to let us know they're here But on the backside, as we've been doing for several weeks, we have next steps. So let me just encourage you to read through this and think maybe this is a step for me. Let me make sure the first one is very clear. Maybe today God is calling you to receive his gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. Do you understand that God sent his son to die to forgive you of your sins so your sins can be forgiven? Jesus said that he also came so that you could have life and have it to the full. The life that you think you have, you're you're missing it without the relationship with Jesus Christ. And do you realize that you can even face the certainty of death with confidence if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? Maybe today God is just saying to you, would you receive the gift of my son? He died for you and he rose again. Would you accept his gift of salvation? Maybe that's what God is speaking to you today. But if you're a follower of Christ, then look at these next ones. I'm, I'm curious how many people be willing to take this 90-day next step challenge. You say, well, what is what do you mean? What steps? That's the steps are between you and God. But would you be willing to commit for the next 90 days? God, I will pray about what, what you want me to do, and I'm going to do my best to take whatever steps you show me in these next 90 days. And let's just see what God will do. Let's just see what God will do if all of us, and you heard my heart today. I got steps I got to take too. But see what God's going to do in the next 90 days if we're willing to take the steps that he put. Now, if you'll mark this, one of the things I do is this This becomes across my desk and, and we'll become a prayer partners together. You know some of the steps I have, so please pray for me, your pastor. But as you share with me some of yours, maybe it's baptism and you know you need to be baptized. Sign that, and if you we haven't talked to you, we'll talk to you before next week. Maybe it's continuing to memorize like we did. But on that other, maybe that's where you, if you want to list it, or there's something else you want to say, or maybe you want to say, Pastor, here's my step, would you pray for me? be willing to consider what God would have you to do in a next step fashion, and let's see what God will do in these next 90 days for us. So here's how we're going to end today. As Chris plays, I'm going to invite you to do what we do every week. Just take some personal time and speak to the Lord. You can speak honestly. You can pray right where you're seated, but you can come forward and pray. You can pray with your spouse or a friend but let's just take and commit personally, God, What? here's what you said to me and here's what I want to respond to you with and just take some time in prayer, personally. If you're here today and you need to receive Christ as your Savior, if during this time you'd step out and meet me here, I'd love to have someone show you what that looks like so you can know that you have eternal life. But I'm going to ask you to do one other thing, kind of at a different way of ending our sermon today, and that is after you've prayed personally, I'd like to ask as many of you would to join me in prayer. Maybe we come to the front and pray. Maybe you just turn around and pray at your seats. Maybe if it's too hard to get up, you just pray. But let's all together pray for our church. Pray for the people sitting next to you. Pray for your pastor, for your leaders. Pray for God to help us and show us what those next steps are and give us the courage to take them as we head into this new year. So I'm going to ask you to pray privately, and then when when you're ready, let's all just join our hearts together and pray as one for God and His church today. Let me start it. Father, we're just committing these next few minutes to You. We're going to pray, and I pray, Father, that You're moving in some folks to take some big steps. Maybe some they've been fighting over for a while, but, Lord, that they're going to take a step. Father, I pray that as a church... These next 90 days would just be a beginning of us taking in the next steps and seeing what you're going to do. So, Lord, we love you and we commit this time to you. I encourage you to pray as Chris continues to, to play this morning.